GXP Podcast. Chatting with the coolest people from across the Midwest who do some awesome things. We've been at this a minute. <laughs> and that's the podcast. Thanks for coming out. See you next year. Yeah, we love it. Now, here's your host, Brian Lee. Oh, that's right. Episode number 60. Six zero GXP Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Brian Lee. Thanks for tuning in, everybody that has tuned in so far. We have an amazing show today. I can't wait to get into it. I've known this guy, guess what, for a long time. <laughs> it's the running theme. Yeah, I know this guy forever. <laughs> Imperfect. Rick yeah. Noggle. Yes, a.k.a. That name he already said. Yeah, imperfect, man. What's up? How's it going? What up, man? Thanks for coming on with me, dude. We got to keep this real genuine since we already in, been chatting for five minutes. Before I know. We push that's, record. That's the worst part. Is like I'm like, shut the fuck up. Just let's go because you, you waste a lot of content. But we'll we'll catch up on everything. Oh man. yeah, it's gonna be great, dude. Dude, thank you so much for making time out of your busy life. I know you're a super busy man to come down into my humble abode, man cave. That is fucking freezing right now because it's so cold in yeah, Iowa. It's, I, I'm enjoying it. It's really it fits the aesthetic of what I'm doing currently. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like a oh man. If you guys haven't seen the GXP studios, it's awesome. You know, so uh, usually my son has like a green screen here and he does like all his uh, YouTube stuff, but uh, I think he's using that at the high school right now for his video show there. Yeah, nice. Yeah, man. So. Uh, Dude, you do a ton of shit, man. A ton of shit. <laughs> I, a fucking ton of shit. I do. I I'm a I'm rambunctious, and I I get an idea in my head, and it it gets in there, and then it has to be achieved essentially. So, um, yeah, I I I've been doing things. I've been keeping my mouth shut and and staying off of Facebook though, so people don't know that I'm doing things. See, I think that's where some people, like, it's the beginning of their failure is when they talk about it and then they don't deliver. Yeah, and and especially, like, from rap days with a lot of the rappers when the scene was a lot more healthy around here and, and the, the up-and-comers or the ones that thought they were up-and-coming would always have to post, oh, I'm getting a beat from this guy and I might get signed yeah. to this, and then it doesn't pan out, and then you look stupid because nothing happened. Right. So you might as well just wait. That's why I with this store that I opened. It's just like, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I had a new Instagram page that nobody knew about. And then I just announced it and it was already like, and it looked like an established store. When I put that video up, it was just like, Hey, I did this. And, and it wasn't like a, a process of, I got a space and I painted the floor and I hung this fixture. Yeah. It was just like, boom, this is in existence now. And everybody was like, what the heck? Well, I think that, uh, you know, with the beginning of social media and everything, everybody liked to, um, you know, archive everything and show people the, you know, everything that they're doing, you know, the progress and everything else. And now we've seen like, a lot of people not deliver on that. So you've learned from that yeah. because I think in the music game back in the day, like, so I first met you, um, your sister worked at my store <laughs> yep. at Oakland road, high V and, uh, she was like, Oh, do you know my brother? He's a rapper. And I was like, Oh, like what kind of rapper? She goes, he's a white rapper. <laughs> 
<laughs> she probably didn't say she that. 100% <laughs> Amber said that. Yeah, it's Amber, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I was like, how the fuck do I not know this guy? At this point, you know, this was like 2001 or two, maybe. And uh, I thought I was established in the game by then here in Cedar Rapids. But you and Colorless were doing something completely outside the box. And I like literally sought you out. Yeah. Like this was the beginning. This was before like MySpace and everything. Like I had to talk to people to find you. Yeah, I remember you came to my mom's house up in the attic. Yeah, and I played some stuff on my really like crude and rudimentary beat machine that I had back then. And but you were doing it, man. Yeah, I was doing. I was. It, it was funny. I always remember this, and, and it's probably I don't know if you remember it, but. I played some songs and I'm really, I'm rambunctious in the way I make music. And I played some stuff that I was working on and it was just like raw, not even complete. And you were like, I swear to God, you said this, you were like, do you got any stuff with like, like, where's the hook? Like you couldn't, you, you yeah. like couldn't locate. Cause I was just like a ball of creativity yeah. where I was trying to just find, it took a while, like being a, a white rapper in Cedar Rapids to like find how, how about how let's to, get rid of the white part and just being a rapper <laughs> in Cedar Rapids? Yeah, you know? exactly. Well, just trying to find what I wanted to say because I, I'm a, a realistic person and I'm, yeah. I'm truthful on the microphone. So I wasn't going to be like a gangster on the mic and I wasn't going to be something that I'm not. So I had to like figure out where I was going to go and what my voice was. And then eventually, because my name was different back then, I went by like MC Squared way back then. Yeah, when you I remember that. Yeah, MC Squared. And so, you know, then when I finally switched the name and, and everything and started doing the monthly down at Blue Collar is when everything started to become like a, like something that people expected from me as opposed to something that I was just doing. You right. Know? I, I was so intrigued by you because it was, it was good stuff. It just... I was like, I don't know how I can incorporate this to what I do. Because yeah. I just came out with my second mixtape at the time. And there was, I think we we burned like 10,000 copies and just gave them out to people. We didn't charge people. We yeah. just gave it to them. Yeah, that's and I'm like, how can I then. get you on my record? And I, that's when I met you up in the attic. Yeah. I think I was just not. Well, it, it, it was a different time. And so I was like, I never discredited you i was just like okay well i i can't wait till i can use him yeah or use your music i guess in one of my mixes and showcase you you know yeah and it and it always came back to like the kind of music i make and i realize and i know what kind of music i make how far like, into the stage were you at that point when when we met i guess uh maybe that makes all the difference i don't i was pretty I was pretty new to it. I started, I mean, if that was like 2001, 2002-ish probably, because yeah. that's when I was living there with my mom still. And I mean, it was, I was just starting to make beats and stuff. I had been I, doing it on like even cruder stuff. Like like the, the funny story is that I met Colorless through his older sister, who was my girlfriend for a short time. And I stole a keyboard and a karaoke machine from her house. And that's how we like started making beats. And then me and him connected. You stole, <laughs> yeah. you stole a karaoke <laughs> yeah. machine? It was just like the old tape based one. Yeah. And you could like record into it. Yeah. So we could like put a beat on. We could like put yeah. drums on like a drum track and then play stuff on the keyboard. And we were like making beats. And it was like so, so crappy sounding and so low quality. But we were doing it and trying it. And that's what. And then, I mean, kids don't even know these like terms almost now, but then we got a four track recorder, you know, I mean, a four track recorder is like ancient technology now, but that's the 808 is ancient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that we were on and like yeah. trying to figure out how to t track out all this stuff. And it, I just wasn't, I was just trying to be like great at rapping, not, not making like 
great songs, I guess, is where I was back then. And I know that that was when you were making a mixtape, I didn't have anything to present to you that would have fit on your mixtape. And I know that that's just how I was back then. Like as I evolved and when, yeah. like I said, I found the voice and, and the way I wanted to go, there's just like other songs that I made later on that were like the songs that people wanted to hear at shows. And it becomes like what you're known for kind of songs, yeah. you know, and it just, it takes a while. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. You can't just, some people do can, can just become a rap, like be great at rapping immediately, but it's pretty few and far between. I mean, it right. takes time to develop a style in your own voice and, and actually had to project your voice on the microphone and all that kind of stuff is all skills that you have to learn. Well, and doing things live um, is a whole art in itself. You know, like doing your songs live. I, I, I've seen so many great, like even nationally touring rappers sound shitty live. Yeah. And it's because of stage pre presence. It's it's all about how you hold the microphone. How, how about you know, how you speak into it, how you rap into it, how you yell yep. into it, all that stuff. And, and I've watched this over the years and I'm like, don't cup the fucking microphone <laughs> right. yeah. because it peaks everything on my board. And when I see red lights on my board, I'm like, shit, I got to turn that down. Yeah. And then like, turn it up. And then you yell louder. And I'm like, that's not, and then that's you start not. getting vocal strain and, yeah. and artists and they yeah. lose their voice on stage. Well, and you're blowing speakers yeah. and never you, you've been through it, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I seen something in you from the very beginning. I was like, all right, I definitely want to work with this guy and he's going to be something. And you are, <laughs> and you fucking are, man. Just a guy. Yeah. You got to figure out Facebook live, but other than <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> right. That was the first time I tried that. Yeah, it was Jesus, great. I don't do it either. Yeah. You know, I love it. Uh, yeah. I'm a candid person too. That's No, I'm... and you're so great, man. And, <laughs> you know, we're kind of getting into the roots here of how Rick Noggle and I met each other and, uh, how, you know, shoot, man, 19 years later, 18 years later, 18, 19 years later, we're sitting down face to face and we're still buddies. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a weird, it's been a weird last few years that I, it's, we've kind of seen the music scene here dwindle away. And, and I don't know if it's because I'm not as active or, I mean, I've always said it though. There's been a few key people. If you take them out of the scene or take them out of, activity actively being in the scene like yeah. me and rollin and uh, like you and rissy Tone yeah and, and rissy, like, yeah, yeah and like yeah. take us five characters out of the scene and like what's happening here commando yeah there's other yeah. people that that like were filling the void here and there but i mean there was just like this core bunch and now that we're yeah. all a little bit older now and it's always been a struggle with music venues here and you know, I was just talking to Stout, you know, Jason Stout. Of course. Was, yeah. Um, he came down to the shop and bought a few things. One of my first customers and he used to run. I love Jason. Yeah. Stout, yeah he's a good dude. Um, he used to run volume and we yeah. always wanted to get on that little stage in the front room yeah. and just do a rap show. And it's like, we didn't even have to, he wouldn't even have had to pay us, but we would have been able to rock yeah. the, the place for sure. And it could have been a thing, but they just were never for it. And that could have been a really a great venue. It could have been a great asset for Cedar Rapids. You know, if nobody knows, you know, most people that listen to this podcast are from Cedar Rapids or the surrounding area, so they understand it. But if anybody's listening, like Cedar Rapids is the biggest, smallest town literally <laughs> in the country. And it's extremely difficult to have diversity and hip hop and something that was um, looked at as a big city thing for many, many years. I think it's better now, actually, which is kind of crazy, but we have no way to... 
yeah, perform it, you know, showcase it. Yeah, that's always, like I said, just the the struggle of the venue, the lack of a venue. So we always kind of had to tuck in where we could yeah. fit in. And it's like, I mean, even when Joe was at the CRL, it's like, I what I about like before CR- that? You were down at that little blue yeah, collar. Yeah, lounge. and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. and that was because my mom was the manager and I knew the owner since I right. was a kid. And, and we got, and that became like a nationally it, recognized, like people were yeah. calling from like New York City and stuff. Like, hey, I saw, I saw you guys do a hip hop show there. And it's like, dude, this place has like, literally it was 49 was the capacity. Yeah. And we would have like a hundred people pay five bucks to get in a night on yeah. the good nights there. I mean, we were, it was awesome. Those were the good days when hip hop was like no, you, young and thriving. You did something <laughs> that you were passionate about and you didn't give a fuck about the outcome. Yeah. And it turned out really good, but you, you drove it like you didn't give a fuck what happened. And then you're, you're going to go for the millions, you know? And that's, everybody's done that. God damn it. My dog's chewing on some shit, but tell us more <laughs> about the blue collar lounge. <laughs> Uh, the Blue Collar Lounge was owned by um, Marty Mitchell, and I, oh, I can't think of her husband's name at the moment. I feel bad. But um, they were really, really good people. Their son is a drummer, a local drummer named Troy Mitchell. I'm not sure if you know him. He's God, I can't think of what. Maybe his, by his, face. I think his band is called Skin Candy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, he's yeah. got long hair, skinny, oh, yeah. skinny guy. They yeah, did a whole Iowa Hawkeye song. Yeah, he's a he's an excellent drummer. But uh um, that was his parents' bar, and my mom worked there when I was a kid. My mom worked at, like, all the bars in town, like, all the check-in downtown, down okay. in Czech Village, yeah. Riverside in Czech Village, like, bars that don't exist. So you had it in from the get-go. Oh, yeah. I mean, there I, a picture just showed up in my yeah, Facebook stop. feed. I think it's – is it me? Clinton? No. I, I she think, was just sitting here. Oh. <laughs> it's probably me turning she, this chair. She, she gets mad when I podcast, and I have people over, and she, she finds shit to chew up. <laughs> yeah. It's my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I but, owe imperfect shoes. But uh, no, my mom used to work at Pete and Tilly's too back in the day. Which Pete and Tilly's. Like, dude, I can take it, take you back on a, an old school. Tailgaters. Just tailgaters. Yeah. yeah. And when uh, this just picture just popped up in my feed as, that someone shared. But when I was four years old, I used to do poison songs with a live band on stage at Pete and Tilly's. Like I shouldn't even have been in the bar, but there's pictures of me. Like they used to hang me upside down by my feet and hairspray my hair. So it would be standing straight up when I was standing up and then put me in like a little Billy Idol looking jumpsuit. And then I'd get up there and do what? poison songs. Yeah, this is real. So when I was four years old, I was what already. Yeah, it's like someone should do the behind the music of me. And then I could have this funny story, but yeah, that was like, I did two or three different weekends of performances. And then I like, this is what they say. And I'm pretty sure I remember it too, but I had like started getting pretty bold and comfortable. And I like jumped off the the drum riser, like on the stage. Yeah. And, and then they were like, no, he's done. <laughs> like I'm becoming a little rock star. So they like cut What's me your, off. I mean, <laughs> take your kid home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he rocks, but <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. But what? Yeah. So, um, always been in the bar, always been a bar brat. My mom, my parents used to go to Pete and Tilly's. I remember them talking about it. Oh yeah. When yeah. I was young, it was the spot back in the yeah, day. Yeah. That and, uh, the sodas. Yep. Yeah. Up there on 16th. It Ave used to be, and it, it had the it big became dude. bucks. It became bucks. It had the cars, the back end of the cars sitting in it. And it had and the, the town and country. Uh, oh, that's where that was. The sodas. Remember the yeah. Do- Doc and Eddie's is what I was thinking about. Remember that place? It had the big dude, like the pool player statue. Yeah, where, where was Walgreens, that? Where Walgreens is on oh, 16th and Yeah, that's and right. Oh, dude. my gosh. I, <laughs> I told you it would take you guys back. Are, are, and, are we close in age? 
Uh, I'm 30. I'll be 38 this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're within a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I won't disclose my age. <laughs> but, uh, case, case the joint had his 10th, 42nd birthday this yeah. year. <laughs> I'm not 40, bro. <laughs> That's all right. I know I'm bald and fat, but uh, come on. <laughs> yeah. But no, as far as the blue collar, um, they used to do karaoke in there when I was a yeah. kid and stuff. And then when I got older and I started doing the shows and stuff, my mom was like, you should, you should book one here. We can let you guys do one here. And I literally didn't have the music equipment to do it. So I borrowed some PA speakers from Troy. He lived on the back of it. There was like the, the house that was connected to it. Troy what? Troy Mitchell. Oh, Troy Mitchell. Yeah. Okay. And so that was his mom's bar and he lived in, he's the, the drummer from Skin Candy. And so he would, he lived in the back and he let us borrow this PA system. And it was like just not even good at all. It was like a couple of microphones and two speakers. And right. We, and we did this show and it no, was awesome. No, no subs or anything. And no. You're just, you just went for it. Yeah. And then we started. And at that point, why not? Yeah. I mean, we were just so hungry. We And it performing started for us at Metro too, really, because they had a little Fender set that was like all self-contained and, yeah. it, and it, you could like clip it all together and just carry it. It was two speakers yep. and an amp and two it had, little speakers. And it had yeah. a thing in the back you could put the cords in. So yep. we used to borrow a little mixer that. on it. Yeah. yeah. We used to borrow that from them and then like do little open mics and stuff around town at like the Candleworks building yeah. down there in Nubo. And um, so we, we kind of got the hang of doing it from that and then had the opportunity to do it at a bar and colorless was freaking like 17. Yeah, you know, like because I'm three years older than him, so I was already old enough to to be in the bar and drink back then. So he was like 18 when we first started doing shows at bars, and uh, then we we did one, we did two or three of those with a local group called Resurrected Beans. I don't know if you remember that. I do. We yeah. did one at uh, uh, Kaji uh, Muddy Waters <laughs> and Kaji yeah. Muddy Waters and Kaji. Yeah. Those yeah. are my buddies uh, that I went to school with. It was their older yeah. brothers, and we did a lot of stuff with them. That was kind of – we were like the two crews that jived the most together yeah. as far as the music we were making. And then Bonus we, was doing stuff too. Yeah, it's, yep. And yeah. Uh, and Bloke C. Yeah. They had a group back then. Bloke Champagne. Yeah, that's when I first met those guys was back yeah. at, at a Kaji show. <laughs> Dude, that's cool. Great. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we did a few shows with Resurrected Beans and, and a, a couple other guys at, at the Blue Collar and then – Decided to start doing a monthly and decided on the third Thursday of every month and it became a thing and it was like, this is what I do with my life for, and I did it for like two or three years and then there was the flood of 2008 and it closed and then opened back up and we brought it back and then there was a big fire there yeah. and it closed and then it opened back up called Pub Mitchell and we did it a while and then they weren't doing well and it was too, we outgrew the place. And then that's when me and colorless did all the footwork to get in with Gary at the Koopa Cabana. Yeah. And we were the ones that like broke down yep. that barrier. And yeah. it, it, Gary's such a cool dude. Him and his wife are awesome. Rest and in peace, Gary. He's, isn't he still, why is everybody, I don't, I swear he's alive. Oh, he passed away a long time ago. <laughs> I'm telling you, Facebook it. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's real. <laughs> now we're going to get, we're going to get banned. No, I mean, I, I thought he passed away and they I bulldozed the building and everything. No, I swear that a, a few people, it's like the freaking Mandela effect going on here. But yeah, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah. But no, we uh, we had to go in there like five different times and like chill with You and Rollin. Me and, no, it was me and Colorless. We, okay. We went and then in, Rollin got in there yeah, too. And yeah, Rissy. We and like, Rissy. We, yeah. we like got them to, um, 
because they weren't doing anything on these weekends and we're like, we might as well do something. We were always really trying to be really professional and we're like, let's do something that's mutually beneficial. You know, right. we're going to bring people in. We don't ever have any problems. we got a good rapport at these other places. They're like, but our 14 regulars are yeah. going to be pissed off. And it was, and then we did the first show and they loved it. And then, um, and we always had a thing and I'm sure that some local rapper if they listen to this will be mad but the, we would be we would get calls from local venues and, and promoters and and they'd ask us about guys in town and we would be like nah you probably shouldn't it's like kind of ooh, it's like ooh, but ooh. i mean you you know how it is we hey we, we i do. gotta be as neutral as motherfucking possible <laughs> right. all right yeah. i had a radio show at the time right. <laughs> no i'm done but a i podcast. mean if it was like a I mean, you know how it is. If it was something that we had established a thing at a venue and we didn't want someone else to come in that might ruin it is what it was. It wasn't, man. It wasn't that we were trying I, to like be like keep people out for because we thought they were better. It was just like dude, we I made places DJ venues. Yeah. You know, I mean, same same aspect, but I just didn't snitch. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm just messing with you, man. No, I don't, fuck, I don't care. No, no, you did what you had to do to keep your business there. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. But and it was, I, I did the exact same thing as like, hey, listen, this is my spot. Like, yeah. I don't care who's trying to play here. Like, no, this is my spot. And it's like, it, but you had that clout with them to where they would call you and be like, hey, this guy named this is what happened at Cooper Cabana. Like this guy, Rollin has come in a couple of times and, and you know, is, can we trust it? Cause they would want to know if well, it was, we worth were hungry them. for a hip hop spot. Yeah. Okay. So anybody that was doing any type of hip hop and it was positive and it was good. Like anybody else that was on that same train was like, well, well shit. Okay, cool. The doors are open. Yeah. You know? And so that's a great thing that you did. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, it was... Rollins shot a video there. Yeah, I was in that one, too. Yeah. That was fun. That was a cool video. That was a fun shoot. Midwest music. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we we got the door open and, um, you know, said Rollin was good. And we vouched for Rissy and, and anybody that we thought yeah, was... we did you know, the whole thing for Dance for Dakota down there. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a big and deal. so, I mean, yeah. and that, I mean, realistically, without us, like, doing the, the legwork to get in there, that might not have happened or it would have had to happen somewhere else. And, you know, so I it's... It's just kind of, it's been cool to be able to to do that because we've had to do that at so many places, you know, like every venue in town, it's it's been like a, a struggle. We had to, like I said, we had to go in and like drink beer with Gary like five times and just like hang yeah. out and talk to well, him. Well, why not? I mean, you know? he doesn't know anything about this. Yeah. You know, but you were a great salesperson and you pitched him every, and you delivered on everything you pitched him. Yeah. And so thank you for that. Because I would have never played at the Copacabana if it wasn't for you. Yeah. It, so thank you. Thank, yeah, man, no problem. I appreciate Dude, it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, a lot of people need to give gratitude to people who are doing the legwork in this town. And I don't think people realize how much you did for the hip-hop movement and the community to get in shows in this town. Yeah, it was a labor of love, man. I always just wanted it to be – I, I, a lot of You don't rappers, want to be a millionaire? No, dude, that, it's funny because, like, the dudes that I started rapping with originally, they're like, you wouldn't sign a contract for a million dollars. And I'm like, not if it was for some record label that I didn't care about right, or something. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't, it's not just to make the money. Like, it's cool to have the scene, like, and to be a part of it and for us to be, like, putting a place for 
people that like hip hop to be, you know, and have a, a real DJ there spinning vinyl and like people breakdancing and shit like yeah. that. And that graffiti. Yeah. And stuff that yeah. we tried to, and we did different stuff always. We did a drink and draw where we were just playing music and people were just sitting at booths drawing. We did that at Koopa Cabana and like then selling art at shows and, you know, and it progressed into the, the super fresh culture fest that I did for three years in a row. Yeah. And, and it was always, it, it was never that I was getting rich. I put in so many hours and I did so much work. I was the main dude for everything. Like I curated pretty much the whole festival. There was a lot of help from Colorless in the first two festivals, but the third one was a lot more me. And I mean, all of it, I did all the like graphic design and I was like running my can recordings too, trying to do something with that. And it's just a lot of stuff that I was doing because I liked it and I believed in the people that I was working with and the music that they were making. And it's a, uh, it's just sad that we live in a city that just isn't quite big enough or, you know, open-minded enough to, to really support an entire hip hop scene. Rick, you know? Rick the, the scene exists the way it does now. And I think a big part comes from you, man. I really think that now, um, I didn't, I was ignorant to the fact of how much you let you put into this. And I feel kind of foolish, like listening to these stories. And this is the whole point of this podcast is about exposing people who are doing great things for the community. And it wasn't about being rich and being a fucking rap star. It was about bringing the culture. Well, yeah, it was, I mean, we're, I, I grew up on like a lot of rhyme sayer stuff when I actually finally like got into hip hop and understood what it was like fully. And I got into underground rap and then I realized that there's super great rap in like Chicago and Minneapolis. And I started sure. listening to all this stuff. And then you, I, and I know that it's a pre, it's like a misconception of how cool the hip hop scene is in Minneapolis. Cause I got a bunch of buddies there that'll tell you otherwise. But when you are not from there, and you go there, you're like, holy shit, like, this is fucking awesome. Right. There's a spot there that was called the Dinky Towner, and it was like the hip-hop spot, and um, I'm sure you know the group Atmosphere. Of course. Um, the producer from Atmosphere would just be there, and I'm like, I'm a fucking huge Atmosphere fan when I'm, you know, 25 years old, and I'm there doing my first show ever, and the producer from Atmosphere is coming, walking up the steps, and I'm like, you know, like that's Shake his hand. Yeah, and I'm Shake like, his hand. I'm like, yo, aunt, dude, blood. I'm like fanboying out, you know, and it's like that's cool. And I wanted it always made me mad that all the hip hop shows went to Iowa City. When Cedar Rapids is bigger, I understand it's a college town, but but they yeah. have the venues. That's yeah. oh, that's what it yeah. comes down yeah. to is that the venues Cedar are there. Cedar Rapids is an old school town, man. You know, they're still having a hard time with adapting to becoming modern. Yeah. You know. And I played at First Avenue Club. I hope I'm for Buster Rhymes. Oh, that's fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, Buster Rhymes. Well, let's let's be honest. I was the opener of the opener yeah. for Buster Rhymes. Well, hey, <laughs> but I'll, hey, I'll, I opened for Wu Tang technically. Well, shit, well, no, I can't not, really, that. not really. What what happened was I got booked on the eighty thirty five festival that they were on. Yeah. And I'm like the other elements, which is obviously our old group name, yep. is like third from the very last name on the flyer with Wu Tang. You're on the flyer. <laughs> yeah. You're on the flyer. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, uh, Colorless didn't end up coming to that, so me and Case the Joint did it, and we killed it. Sure. We, we performed at the same time as David Byrne from The Talking Heads. No shit. And he was on the main stage, and we were on like a side stage, and we still had like 
a good 300 people watching us on the street. And that's how we met a bunch of homies that we made that ended up being good musical friends in Waterloo and Des Moines. And like, it helped like connect the Iowa hip hop scene more and started getting, it was just from this performance. That's what it's about. Yeah. And it's just, I've always just wanted to, and I've said this to like all the people that I've ended up being friends with, like carnage from Minneapolis, who's a huge influence on me. Yeah. uh, I've always just wanted to have like a reputation like he has. Like when you talk about Iowa, if you talk about Minneapolis, you're like, oh, this dude Carnage up there is killing it. Or you talk about Chicago, you're like, oh, these typical cats, they're they're yeah. dope. And it's like I wanted to just be like imperfect. He's dope. If you know, case the joint, he's tight. And it's like we achieved that. You're at the top of my list, man. Oh, you I know? appreciate it, man. <laughs> I always say that. Yeah, I, like you know, I mean. You know, of course, you know, I, I was a DJ for Big Bang for a long time and, and Tone's a great guy and, and the entire crew and Rollin, of course, I yep. was on tour with him and, and and you're right there. It's like, these are the cats I talk about, you know? Yeah. And and I'm not saying I don't talk about anybody else because I definitely do, but, yep. um, you know, that's, I got to be loyal to the people that uh, I've always been loyal yeah, to. Yeah, the, the other you know? dude that definitely is in the, in the list for the, the top guys is easy. Oh, I yeah. love Easy. Yeah, man. Easy's always been a solid rapper and a, and a solid human for sure. And, and yeah, he, uh, me and Ryan Nixon would always say, if anybody was going to make it, he would always say this behind his back. If anybody in the state was going to had the had the stuff to make it, it's Easy. He's like. The Take pack. your damn name off your license. Plate, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get him on here. Yeah. Just, oh, dude. Yeah. yeah he'll sure. come. He'll yeah. come chop it up with you. Yeah. You know. He cut me and my son's hair, and uh, you know we we did shows uh, uh, with Big Bang and Rollin at uh, Tailgaters and everything. Did you do a show with us with with Bang? Oh, I think you um, did at Cocktails. I believe so, and I know that we had Tone on the last Culture Fest. Yeah, and we crossed paths always yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I think that uh, I think me and Fooch went on right before you guys at the. One of the three one nine fests out yeah. there by, in high when it was in Hiawatha. Yeah, and we've had Jason on here a couple of times, and he's done a great thing with that. I just love the fact that if 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 you ever if you don't know Rick or Imperfect, and you look at this cat, you'd be like, you would not believe that he's one of the you know one of the best rappers in Iowa, and uh, and it's not about what you look like; it's about what you say and how you act. Yeah. And then once you talk to you, you're like, oh, this motherfucker's a motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I I don't uh, I don't know if I want to. If I didn't know you, I want to fuck with you. Well, that's you know, it's always I mean, been such a weird thing too. One of my buddies, I want to cross you. Let me out. Let me. <laughs> let, it's not that I want to. I would. I'd just be like, all right, this motherfucker. He's, <laughs> he's got something going on. Yeah. Right. Oh, my! One of my buddies that's from around here. He used to do stuff with Commando back in the day, but he he said something about it. it's always weird telling people you're a rapper when you're in your 30s, and I'm like, yeah, it's been weird my whole fucking life trying to tell yeah. people. It's like I'm be, and I would always be like, oh, I, I make, I'm a musician, and then they have to pry a little bit. Oh, what do you do? You like a, you like a DJ? It's always a DJ. It's always. A, I don't know how to feel. Or about if that. I say if I if I make hip hop music, oh, are you a DJ? Like. No, he's a beautiful man. He's a blonde haired, <laughs> beautiful, tall, strong man. Um, when I tell people I'm a DJ now, they're like, "Huh, oh, it's typical." Yeah, they're like, "What weddings?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, well, I've been a DJ for 25 years. That's what fucks them." They're like, "What?" <laughs> like, "Oh, wait, hold on." Yeah, so you've been doing this? Yeah, you? yeah. Shoot, you know. Yeah, it's music's kind of taking the back seat now that I got a kid, though. So. 
Yeah. You got married, had a kid. Yeah, got had a kid first, got married. Oh, yeah. That's well. a, a common law married. <laughs> hey, already. first of all, I've never been married and I have two kids. So. <laughs> yeah, see? I can't judge. No, I'm not worried. Judge me. <laughs> judge me, world. Uh, but yeah, I had the kid and was still kind of rolling with music stuff. And then it just, I, it, it was enough for me to do music and be able to travel around. And I was like making money on the road and stuff and, and doing odd jobs. And it was enough for me to like survive. But now that I got a kid, it wasn't yeah. enough to pay for the kid. So I had to try to get a job and be like a real person. And, it, and I hated it. And I was working at AmeriClean and just hated it so much. And I was like button heads with the management because I had to get him from daycare and they would like book me on a job in, in like Davenport and I would need to get my son at a certain time. And I'm like, why are you doing that to me? Yeah. And so I finally quit that job and good for you, man. Started another, started a business and was doing that for a little bit and then got into selling stuff on eBay. And then now here I am with this store downtown that I'm just, just getting started with essentially. Which is freaking awesome. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, I, it's twenty years awesome. Yeah, it is. It's, it's twenty years awesome. If you guys don't know about the store yet, just started out. It's amazing and yeah. perfect. Tell me about Rick Noggle and then twenty years <laughs> yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's imper- I it's something that I kept secret for the last two years, pretty much. I got sick of Facebook, so I quit doing things on Facebook and just. Uh, started a different Instagram page and made a business name and started trying to like build this brand um, based on selling things from the 80s and 90s, which I'm, I was born in 83. So I'm early, focused early on, 2000s too. Yeah. yeah. So so 20 years for me of awesomeness is pretty much 85 to 2005, which is my sure my era. Yeah. You know, a lot of the cool stuff from the 90s carried over. I mean, like the movie Elf came out in like 2003 or 2006. Yeah. I'm like it's like that's fucking 14 years old 17 years I old i still watch like, it every yeah Christmas and i'm like season. i feel like that just came out you know but um so i tell I've, you google will ferrell now and then you realize yeah he's old he's <laughs> but yeah i uh i've been collecting all this stuff and building a little following on instagram and all the while i've wanted to open a store and it's something that me and a couple buddies were going to try to do like six or seven years ago and it just wasn't the right time and funding and, you know, people that you can't trust with, you know, being a business sure. partner. So um, doing it now and got a good good thing going, I think. Once this weather changes, I think that more people will be coming in. But it's been, I mean, I've been getting sales every day, so you can't ask for much more than that. Someone comes in and buys and, something. And you still got your eBay store, online stores. Yeah. So you're still making sales. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I just know? I just sold a Buccaneers jersey last night and I, was I like, bet you did. I was like, son of a bitch, I should have raised the price on that. I didn't even remember that I had it because it's I got like eight hundred things in my eBay store, so it's not like I think about everything all the time and I'm just like, Oh, I got a sale and I go look and I was like, God damn it, probably could have sold that for ten dollars more at least, <laughs> yeah. you know. But, hey, somebody got a deal. Yeah, it is going to another country actually, so the way that that works with eBay is I do free shipping, but if he then he has to pay for the shipping from the airport to where he lives. So it cost me seven bucks to ship it to the yeah. airport. And then he has to pay like 20 bucks. So he probably paid yeah. almost $60 for this. Jersey yeah. So stuff. the government got theirs. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, <laughs> yeah, somebody's somebody getting did. theirs. Oh yeah. But yeah, the, the store's cool. I'd like to be able to, uh, we went down and checked it out this weekend with me and my kids and, uh, they're totally into vintage clothing. Like yeah. they love that, you know? So they were tickle pink, like, 
when I told them about the store. Yeah. And we go in and they're looking at stuff and they're kind of reluctant. I was like, just get some stuff. We're buying some shit here today. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's the whole point of coming down here. Right. Oh well, yeah. It's cool. And man. they were super happy, man. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's been a pretty cool, it's been about half and half as far as the people that have came in as far as if I know them or not. So half the people are like you and, and good friends from, from years ago. And then I'm a good friend. these, uh, <laughs> right? and these, uh, these new friends that may, maybe become better friends than you eventually. I hope they do. <laughs> I hope but, they do. But just like random, cause I'm just doing like the free marketing. I put it up on Facebook marketplace, like yeah. vintage store opening and got a huge response. And these people are like, I saw your thing on Facebook and yeah. they come in and they're like, this is awesome. And they're all excited and talking about how they're going to come back next week. And so once again, it's like I'm. I am doing this one to be profitable, obviously, because I took on a you know sure. a overhead just to open it to to put things in there and have the door open. But it's once again to provide something that doesn't exist here. It always comes back to my love for this community and trying to put something here that wasn't, so that we can have the things that when you go to another place, everybody wants to go everywhere else. All the time, right? Oh, I love to go because there. Cedar Rapids sucks. Yeah, we don't have anything, so you're you're providing that. Yeah, and and so hopefully people will. And I know that it's going to catch on. I haven't done any like major promotion, and I don't like to be a. And, and that's like you know to get back on a little bit of music. That's one of my downfalls musically is I never wanted to be a pest. I didn't want to be. I'd be at shows in Iowa City, and there'd be like the dude at the door. Sometimes it was Rissy, but he was good. But because he's not a rapper, the the rapper at the door, like, yo, check out my mixtape, man. I'm fucking Five dope. Hours. I'm dope. Check my shit out. And nothing against the the dudes that were like selling their like CDs, but it was like always the dude that was like really aggressive and like trying to forcefully get you to give it. And I didn't want to be that dude. Like, my music will get to the people that it gets to, sure. and and the people that understand it and and appreciate it are gonna feel it and because that's, you, you were know. never trying to make it like a living off of it it yeah. was like if it happens it happens but honestly i'm doing what i'm doing because i love it yeah and i was making a little yeah. bit of money and enough to make it worth my time and you know having a great time i mean we were living it up back then and so yeah hopefully this store can be the same thing i want to incorporate I, I play underground hip-hop pretty much all day in there so that's our i heard no there, music you know. and that's one thing oh. i said to my kids <laughs> I said, you know why, I was though. really expecting like 90s on 9 <laughs> or something. Well, you remember what was happening. I was on the damn phone with Geico. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's my <laughs> that's my first experience. It's going to be my first Yelp. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. He was Love the... Rick Noggle and Imperfect. <laughs> However. Yeah. He didn't hang up the phone. He wasn't yeah. playing music. No, and, and you know what? Here's, here's what I loved about all that because I see that from a retail point of view because I work in retail every day. Um, and I knew that you knew that you had to get something done and that this isn't somebody I have to impress right now. And you, I already told you I was coming. So yeah. we came and, and I was like, you know, the kids were kind of like, all right, well, we didn't, they didn't know what to expect. I was like, Hey, we're going, you know, I've been talking it up for two weeks now. You know, so that's what I love that you were so comfortable with like, well, Hey, Brian's here. Don't worry. Everything's good. I got to take care of business. Yeah. And I knew it. I didn't give a shit. Um, although the customer service did like. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> the guy at the counter was a dick. Yeah. But no. no yeah. It, that's it, all it is, man. You know. And I, I want to be, you know, a, a, 
helpful to, to customers if they come in and make sure that I'm pointing them towards stuff. But yeah, it, it, it was it was just you. Three <laughs> things, super clean in there. Uh, the colors are amazing, and everything is hand washed. Even though that some of the stuff may be used, uh, or most of it is, it does not look used whatsoever. Yeah, like the kids are like, I cannot believe how uh, you know the the quality. Yeah. The content well, that, of everything, yeah. When I first got into eBay, I, I did a lot of research on, like, the best practices for being profitable. So I try to get stuff that I can sell for a decent amount of money. So that always pretty much limits me to not buying anything that's ruined. But there is other things that, like, we were talking, like, the dingy sh There's a Marlboro shirt in there, and it's it's all beat up and it has gold. to be and it's like got it's like it's like dingy yellow on the it's sleeves marble shirt it has yeah. to look yeah. like and that and it's like and it's still a 40 dollars shirt and it's not that i just decided that that's like the market value sure. if you look that shirt up and it doesn't matter if it's beat up in, in some of these i mean we're in a we're in a time now where there's factories where dudes like put, beat up shit. yeah beat yeah. up pants and like use little dremels on it and put the same little squiggle on the leg on a hundred pairs of pants and yeah and i'm selling pants that some dude wore on a work site for four yeah. years and like beat them up and and it's like the the authentic distressed look you know and it's well it's the real look yeah it's 25 years of freaking worn here and there and and everywhere or for a short pound uh, you know a short amount of time and then and then stashed away. Yeah. You know, that's why they look like that. And like the kids are like, nobody else is going to have these. And I put it on Facebook and it got like a hundred and some likes. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. And I was like, well, that's the thing too. It's the, it's, I know that the, that people that aren't up on the culture of vintage clothing and don't understand the value of it, um, are going to come in and see some of the prices and be like, Oh, well, $50 for, you know? And it's like, well, that's probably the only one that you're ever going to see in your life. Yeah. You know, and like that's the like the Beavis and Butthead hat that you're wearing right <laughs> yeah, now. Right? I keep looking at it. And I'm like, that is, it's embroidered. Yeah. It's an original from the 90s. And it's not, there's, I mean, you could probably find one online right now for probably 30 or 40 bucks. This isn't the rarest hat ever, but it's definitely, you can't go buy it at Walmart. No. And, and, I mean, it's just, well, now with the algorithm, there's this yeah. funny meme where it's like a black and white just like scribble picture and there's a kid like standing off in the corner and everybody else is like at the party and he's just like in the corner holding a drink and someone made it say nobody even knows my shirt's worth two thousand dollars and it's like that's the vintage kids that are wearing yeah. like this old nirvana shirt like nirvana shirt sell for like six thousand dollars what yeah look at like re like Real vintage, yeah. like heart shaped box, like with the red hearts all over it and the front and back print. It could be torn to shreds and it'll sell for two thousand dollars. Oh, like, shit. like band tees are so crazy. All right, I'm gonna start buying Nirvana shirts. It's like I got a, a bin full of like, did you ever listen to MF Doom? I'm sure you heard his name. He passed away here in October last year, but it didn't get announced till like the first of this year and it like destroyed the underground hip hop community. I, I'm sad to say I, I haven't. Um, so MF Doom, he did stuff with Mad Lib from Stone's Throw and like super underground, yeah. but, uh, he was old school. He was in a group called KMD back in the day and, uh, so he's been around forever, but yeah, he, he passed away and, uh, no, I'm going to have a brain fart. Oh, I, I, uh, I have this bin full of rap tees and I have this MF doom shirt in there. No and shit. it's like, oh, it's just so fucking cool. And it's like, 
Don't get rid of that. I'm not ever. I got shirts from rap shows that like I got a Humpty shirt for like the dude do the Humpty dance from Digital Underground. Me and yeah. Case the Joint did uh, opened up for the uh, old school hip hop all stars. It was Rob Bass and PM Dawn yeah. and shit. Yeah. We opened up for them in Dubuque. And I bought this shirt from yeah Scott Riedel put it on that show yeah and I bought the shirt from um the the short dude I can't think of his name right now from Digital Underground but like we were selling stuff our merch tables were right next to each other and bought this shirt and it's just this crazy shirt and it's got Humpty on it right it's like I mean you probably got a bin full of shirts from shows don't you or no I've never bought shirts I've always had playbills pictures and like. <laughs> passes yeah i got passes like crazy yeah (laughs) Yeah. lanyards like crazy just of all that stuff uh i met humpty at one of the 515 shows in des moines nice and hung out with his dj afterwards and uh we partook (laughs) that's all i can say (laughs) (laughs) and we had a good time you know um yeah you know I never, I never bought shirts or anything. I was never on that side. I was never on the merch tables or anything. I was just like behind the scenes, I guess. When I was like getting into hip hop, it was the scene in Iowa city was awesome. And it was like, go to a show, get there two hours early and break dance with the dudes and stay two hours after the show and freestyle and, and do like, and that was like my life. Like that's what I wanted to do all the time. Every time a hip hop show was that's, I I had a pocket full of money and I would buy as many CDs and shirts. I don't even really drink. I would like not drink or, and like, that was what I did. So I got all these shirts from these groups from back then. And that's great. I wish I would have. Yeah. And it's like, and they're all extra large, so I can't even wear them. <laughs> They're too small for me. Yeah, right? I'm like, who the fuck let me wear a 2XL? Yeah. The same size since fucking. See, I'd always come in through the back doors and like do sound check and then play for whoever I was supposed to play for or whatever and then hang out backstage. Like, so I never even seen the crowds or anything really. Yeah. I mean, it, two totally different deals, I guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, which I wish I would have been in that scene more, you yeah. know, because I was. Doing shows with Twist and Chingy and stuff like yeah. Nelly. And well, yeah, and I'm saying, like, this was, like, before I was doing shows. So I was, like, rapping at home and stuff, but I was, oh, but go- you're but going, I was to going to the, to the shows. Yeah. And I was, like, hoping that there was a freestyle session where I could get on the stage. And, and that, that used to happen, and I used to get up there and written. That's, like, start how I started getting my reputation in Iowa City. And, uh, but, yeah, that was, like, some of the, just, like, the early days, like, gathering every hip hop CD I could get and trying to like absorb this new sound that I've never heard and like getting the, the shirt so that every rap show I did, I was wearing some other rappers shirt. Like that right. was like, no. what, that was like my, my jam back then was to wear some other rapper shirt at a show that I was rapping at. And now I'm like, I don't even know if I, I can't even wear none of my cool rapper shirts anymore and they don't come around anymore because of coronavirus or, or they're done. Yeah. Or you know, yeah. <laughs> it's so wild, man. It is. I feel sorry for young rappers and musicians that. Do you do you ever think to find some of those shirts somewhere? Like, do you ever try to sort them out so you can sell them at your shop? I mean, that'd be that'd be a cool little section. Like, well, I'm gonna and tell the story about every freaking rapper right. that you have in there. Right. You know. Yeah. It would. I mean, I should have bought multiples <laughs> so i could just wear one and reach out one. to these people they well, gotta I, be out there on social media and they're probably looking to unload some inventory yeah i mean i got if you got five dollars a shirt and then you sell them for 10 i mean that's 100 percent profit man yeah they'd have to be that's the thing is you gotta sell people gotta already be interested it'd be hard to sell them a, a shirt by 
some under obscure underground rapper that they've never heard of and they probably never will. They're like, have you ever heard of Izzy Dunfor? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was guest number four on the show. Izzy. Yeah, he <laughs> I was, love Izzy. He, he, he made good songs, man. He's he still was, doing he, it. Yeah, he was yeah. an interesting character. But he, uh, he, when I will listen to people's music and I will, yeah. and I will listen to it and I will, and I know when people are better at doing things than me and I'm, I'm not a great songwriter as far as the full like encompassing of a song where it's like a hook and a bridge and, and everything. Like I got good at it and I am I can do it, but as far as like like Izzy could write a really good song, like a catchy song that when you listen to it, like you can catch on to it real quick and, and you know what I'm saying? And that was something that I always yeah. what I just wanted to rap dope. I just wanted to like and you are, and because like, if you've ever been to one of your shows, it's <laughs> awesome. I love listening it, to you rap. Uh, Case the Joint would do a lot of our, um, he's a really great writer, like press writer. He'd write our press releases and stuff, and he wrote one about me and Colorless for the other elements. So when we would like send for an EPK, you know, electronic press kit for you folks that don't know what that means. Boom. But uh, he would he said that we would we were rapping like we were trying to outdo each other like we were in a cypher all the time but we were like on a song together and we were like still like i'm trying to out rap yeah. you and it's like we're we're friends though you yeah know? And like that's just how we were you know yeah you kick me in the nuts in the second verse you asshole. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> we, do you have anything on your phone uh, or anything online that we could listen to real quick as far as new music or any music uh, really my stuff's on spotify i i don't I don't have Spotify. Me either. I don't use those. I know, yeah. And go to, to Bandcamp. <laughs> Imperfect.bandcamp.com. Is it on YouTube at all? Yeah. Um, through TuneCore, all of my stuff's on YouTube as well. All this, all the stuff that I have updated on the interweb. I got some songs I'm sitting on that... Uh, with the coronavirus, the wife had to move into the uh, studio and set up a little office for her job. And then it just made it into kind of... Like everything had to get moved around, so every time I go in there, I got to move shit around just to do something, and it just ruins my inspiration. If I can't just go in and make music as soon as I get in there, and I got to like rearrange the shit, then I'm just like, well, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. So I haven't been doing anything musically for quite a while, but I have about I don't know ten songs that need to be finished. And do you get an iPhone? I do. Damn it. Um, I got to get my dongle. <laughs> Lieutenant dongle. Do you have a dongle? I don't. Son of a bitch, I do upstairs. Jeez. You should this is where when you're You know what? We're gonna when take your a son pe- when your son edits it, let's yeah, put some Jeopardy music in it. Right I tell here. you what, we're gonna take a pee break and be right back. Here we go. Right. What, what, are, what are you looking for, man? We're back. Oh, I'm looking for looking up myself on the internet like yeah. a jerk. <laughs> well, that's what you have to do. I mean sometimes if you, you gotta Google yourself. If you, know, you see don't you. Google yourself, Whoa. you're not woke. Let's see. <laughs> Is that the right terminology? I don't even know. Let's see. I don't know if this one shows up on on the old. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. There we go. Do we got some music for you? If I push play, will it? Well, you got to plug in your dongle. Oh, Oh, wait. This is an ad for the new podcast. Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This song is called Expectations. It's a song I did a feature verse for uh, for a rapper out of Madison, Wisconsin I think, or maybe maybe it's uh, Milwaukee but he goes yeah, by yeah. Tayamu Denku with another guy called Trutanium 
But this was a fun one. It reminds me of some old Yo, lyricist lounge shit. Check it out, y'all. In the Midwest, don't test unless you're up for the challenge. What's up with the malice? We'll leave your dumb struck with a mallet. It's unjust. Just understand when a bust is a habit. Cause dumb fucks get on stage like dumb luck is a talent. The gavel drops. I got props. But who the fuck am I to judge? Man, it's suicide. They knew but kept it. Ruined like a grudge. Over time, I put in work. Beats and rhymes, I put them first. Putting a hurting on you punks. Pussy rappers should disperse. Clutching your purse and acting like a little bitch right now. Broken teeth smile. Talking how you bit my style. Stupid dummies, copycats. Come guzzlers. Better muzzle up and jump up the dick of TV rappers who can never fuck with us. Enough's enough, so huff and puff all you want. I ain't stressing, stay fresh and stay puffing up, but they summon us to fuck it up and keep the cypher in check. Take out Mudanku plus it perfect, man. Live in effect, what you expect? Expect the best, expect the worst, and uh, expect the lyrics, expect the version, uh, expect it's dope, expect it's fresh, expect hip-hop, expect nothing less, expect the best, expect the like the Busta Rhymes shit there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If, if you ever listen to the old Lyricist Lounge albums, it sounds like a little posse cut from one of those. Now I'm here, now I'm not, like when I buried a zucchini. Have y'all bring into a big blue genie. Hit repeat, huh? I'm some camp Luchini. Beyond the average rapper. I'll smack y'all into Adam Adam yeah. Before you won't recognize yourself after May I suggest rewriting the previous chapter Factoring your favorite MC, I'm as dope as him Shrink myself and say I'm out on a limb Behind my bars, we do stem cell research Genius with so much head work, that your teeth hurt Ever get advert to an adjective skirt Describe yourself as a bitch and then invert Me and imperfect nerf out of your head weight Dead straight like a stiff laid on a death plate Love it, man. Yeah, it's old school styles. You I know. love it. <laughs> when can we see in the stage again? Oh, man. When is the stage fucking open for people to stand in front of it when someone's on now, it? Now, man, now. <laughs> Are they? Yeah. The, the mask mandate has been lifted. Yeah, the mask For mandate. one month. What is that? Not even. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I'd love to be able to do some shows again, man. That was... Um, we were kind of getting onto it or into it before our potty break, but uh, um, I You're feel a nation. I, I feel bad for the young kids that don't have a venue to perform at because um, once again on on the the style in which I write music and how it was never like super catchy. I always wrote stuff for performance and because I was doing shows every month, so I had inspiration to to make a new song because I was always going to be performing for probably the same few people. So, um, and do, people look forward to that too. Yeah, and and so like doing so many shows always had me writing more stuff. And now that I don't, nothing's happening. I'm like not inspired as I once was to do anything to write music, even because I don't have anywhere to. Yeah. But we have all these people sitting in their bedrooms and they need it more now than ever. Yeah. So I need to imperfect Rick Noggle. Would you please write some more music? (laughs) (laughs) Would you please fangirl, please? Like, would you pretty please with sugar on top? My name in a song. I don't want my name in it. No, <laughs> just just make music for the kids in the bedroom. Do it for the kids in the bedroom. Yeah, I need to. Uh, you know, I'm I'm I got all these songs and some they're all. I need to I need to quit writing some damn many serious songs. Is what happens. It doesn't matter, man. You do what you got to do, man. Do what you want. I want to write. I want to make fun songs. 
I always just I get on to I don't know I get into your books. songs have a lot of meaning. Yeah, I I'm a, there's fun songs. I know I I do have fun songs. I, I know just, I beat myself up about it all the time. Well, here's the deal. Um, you know you're not mainstream and that's fine. That you never wanted to be. So you you're succeeding at what you're doing, dude. Right. It's just you know. And now you got a store. Yeah, and I got it. And you can correlate those two together. Yeah, I want to put a. I want to be. A, you know, I got my graffiti wall in there that I can move. Sure. And I'm so if we to... put a stage in the back and put the racks yeah, behind that, exactly. That's and a... then we just have a little impromptu show. We I got. Have... I got subwoofers and speakers and lights. Lots of lights. In store performances. Yeah. Would be cool. Yeah, I can have uplight from the bottom and the top. Yeah. You know, we just put a little stage in there. You can build that. Yeah. And then make it as display to, pieces in the, to, in the store. The other side of the space. Yeah, I'm just. The wall. I mean, we're just brainstorming here, people. Just, yeah. We yeah. got we to go for it. You got me. a bar on each side of you. <laughs> gotta, you know, really, you have a bar on each side of you. Come on. We don't have to sell anything in there except for merch. We got a GoFundMe page. If you guys want to send us money for this dream that we're building. Things are right happening now. right now. <laughs> Everybody's like, pee break my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We did something else. <laughs> well, no, that's always no. been a dream of mine too. No, just do it. Doing doing a venue because well, you have was, a venue, but it was always as like because then I could rap there, you know. Sure, but it would be awesome. It would just be. Do you know how many young rappers right now that will listen to this and be like, "Come on, imperfect, let us let us perform." Yeah, I had uh, Legacy on here. Do you know who those guys are? Mm-mm. Young cats. Young cats. Um, they're episode like 25 or something like that, or 22 or something like that. Um, great guys. Are they they're, from Cedar Rapids? Yeah. They reached out. They work at Amana and Amana. Anama <laughs> <laughs> um, regurgitation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, they're, they're just young cats and, and they got a little bit of a following. And I was like, yeah, come on. Let's talk. Yeah. You know, people like that. That's great. And and then we have a legend. A legend. Is he here? <laughs> Rick, you're so humble. I know. I'm trying to be. I know. And, you know, here's the thing. Go down to his store. Yeah. 20 years awesome. Uh, it's 207 Second Avenue Southeast Suite 300 in between Need Pizza and Rock Bar. I got all kinds of stuff from the 80s and 90s and beyond. Uh, tons of hats, tons of awesome crew necks. It's all winter stuff at the moment. Cold weather, you know. Seasonal, like the big chains, but uh, lots of one-off things, which means that it's the only one in the store that's available. So you will likely be the only person in the town with it. And that's what it when it when you're into hip hop and trying to be. A standout person, you know, you can't be going to Kohl's and getting the same Nike shirt that eight other people can come in and buy right behind you. You want to have something. Makes me feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. don't, Makes me feel like big shit. Don't do what DJ like, Brian Lee does. Don't, yeah. Didn't you have like 90 pictures of Ed Hardy on? And I'm like, me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I kept it local. I bought it at TJ Maxx. Yeah, right. It was Dirt. missing a rhinestone. Sorry, your camera sucked. <laughs> Ed Hardy. <laughs> I took all the shit to Plato's closet, made seventy eight bucks off of yeah, it. Yeah, my wife gets mad because when she takes stuff there, they don't want it, and I'll yeah. take like a, 
I'll take like eight things and I'll get like 20 bucks. She's like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, because you... Oh, I can't even say it. I can't even say it. Well, I mean, <laughs> be nice to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I always, no, I'll say it. I don't care. I always gave her shit. She used to wear this green sweater. And I'm like, you got your old lady sweater on. Like, this was and like, you went and sold it. This was like <laughs> 12 years ago. I mean, she worked at downtown and she would wear this sweater. I'm like, why are you dressed like an old lady? You work with all those old ladies. And I'm like, then you wonder why they don't want You know why? They don't you want said that is because closet. you're the rapper and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they don't want your... Freaking Mr. Rogers. So you're playing her from 12 years out to sell her shit? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm did just you, jashing. Did you sell it? Her, no, nobody wants her sweater. You sold it, didn't you? No. Yeah, you did. It's probably at the Goodwill. I'll probably find it in two years. And be like, this buy this it is back. vintage now. Buy it back. Did <laughs> <laughs> you give this away? <laughs> yeah. Angel? No, it's it's fun though. <laughs> I got a lot of cool stuff. Um, down at the store, I'm excited to uh, expand a little bit. I need to build a fitting room, and uh, I'm doing everything myself, so it takes a little bit of time. But well, you can do it though, though. Yeah, you really can. Yeah, I'll, though, though, I'll build it. I, if I build it, they will come. But yeah, I can build anything. So I need to just uh, figure out the spacing on that, get a fitting room, so the ladies can try on pants and such, and men as well. We're a little less. High maintenance. We're like, yeah, I'll hold it up to our waist. We're like, that looks about right. Take those home. Twist it around the side. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're doing good things, man. I appreciate it, man. You too. I love it. You know, I mean, here's the deal. You guys got to hear the story of us meeting each other back in early 2000s and coming up from here. And... uh, Nobody heard that. Yeah, everybody did. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we're, we've worked with each other over the years musically. Um, we've been friends for a long time. And then support his now new business. That is freaking awesome. Because you can go down there and buy 80s and 90s vintage clothing. And some uh, collectibles. Like, yeah, the Smurf glasses and everything from McDonald's. Like, we, I grew <laughs> yeah. up on those. Yeah. I was just looking for the Booger Green Tupperware cup. Um, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like, the one with the rounded edges that was thick mm-hmm. as fuck. I had some weird texture on the outside. The, I still have the original Kool-Aid pitcher, remember? They yeah, like tan, oh, yeah. It was like the tan and the green. How one. did that thing never fucking stain? Mine's all stained up. Oh, I'd, yeah. I'd made a gravity bong out of it. <laughs> 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 Rick Nagel, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That's not my government name. My name's actually Frank William. Frank Williams. That is Sorry, me. Frank. <laughs> that was from another time. Yeah, check out 20 Years Awesome. Oh, my gosh. Dude, thank you so much for coming yeah. on and hanging out, dude. Yeah, that's awesome. Dude, man. it was a great story. And check out Imperfect on uh, YouTube because, yeah. Yeah. There's more coming. It's imperfect with a K T at the end. And uh, spell it for motherfuckers. I M P E R F E K T with the lowercase I. I never have guessed that. And uh yeah, I'm on Spotify and and Apple Music and all those. I've been whored out to all those things, but I don't wanna be on the on Facebook every two minutes like listen to my stuff, man. Hey, here's my links. It's like So I don't get lots of spins. So go give me some spins, guys. I need to get my fourteen cents of residuals from Spotify. Spin it up. (laughs) (laughs) Imperfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Noggle, 20 years awesome. GXP podcast. Good night. Cue the fake applause.